You're listening to the Candida Chronicles with your host, Dr. Jeff McCombs. Welcome to the Candida Chronicles, a podcast where we learn all about Candida and how to safely and effectively treat it. I'm Dr. Jeff McCombs, and I'll be your host for today's episode on talking to your doctor about Candida. Where do you start with the topic of Candida and doctors? Given that most doctors know nothing about Candida or how to treat it or how to even test for it, why do most people consult with doctors for this? The average lay person, the average person on the street who is dealing with this issue knows more about Candida than your average MD, DO, ND, etc. For that matter, they also know more about nutrition and diet than any MD. So what possible help can your typical general practitioner offer you if you have candida? It's not something that is typically taught in medical schools, which means it's not taught in other professional schools of health as well. I wasn't taught about candida. I had to learn about it and spend 23 plus years discovering more and more about it, which I continue even to this day. And that's actually pretty easy to do, although very time consuming, because there are over 57,000 research papers on candida since the introduction of antibiotics in the mid-1940s. But most doctors know nothing about it. So what does that tell us about doctors and research? What does that tell us about doctors and the latest information that's out there? Are they current? Not really. I think this is really the point of today's show, that if you have candida, if you suspect that you have candida, if all of your symptoms are screaming that you have candida, then why in the world would you ever go to a medical doctor for this? Of course, in today's world, which is not unlike Alice in Wonderland in many respects, in that everything seems to be turned upside down and inside out in every which way, the medical profession is still seen as the place to go whenever someone has a health problem. It, but you know, it's not the place to go to get better. You have to understand this. They're not trained in health care, which means helping you to get healthy. They are not trained to do that. They are not trained in nutrition, diet, or regenerative care. They are trained in disease care and the recognition of diseases and palliative care, which is to give drugs to eliminate or palliate the symptoms. And that leaves a huge gap that most people fall into. And I've written about this before, the gap in, in modern medical care. Um, for instance, if you're having a heart attack, they're the place to go. If you've been in an accident and you're seriously injured, that's the place to go. They're the place to go if you have advanced cancer or AIDS, um, if you need organ transplant, if you have some very advanced, serious condition in that sense, then chances are they're the place to go, although some people will even argue with that and cite different data that shows the ineffectiveness of 
chemotherapy and drugs, etc., and even surgical techniques in, in some conditions. But um, those are the people that generally you can assume would do the most for you. They will help you to mask your symptoms so that you can keep on living your life as though there's no problem. Of course, meanwhile, underneath all of this, everything, your condition, your disease will continue to progress. But you won't have to bother with it to be inconvenienced by it or to change your lifestyle or do any of the things that more than likely in reality um, help to create the problem in the first place. So you won't actually have to address the problem through modern medical care. You can just address the symptoms and that's pretty much what they excel at. Um, although you have to understand that all drugs have what is an average of 394 side effects that nobody really ever talks about. But if if you're like most people, and most people don't really want to take the time away from their life, they don't want to change their life, they don't want to improve their life, they don't want to do anything that um, is seen as not just living their life freely and eating what they want and doing what they want and not caring about that, then, you know, the medical field is the place to go because um, that's what they help you to continue to do, to ignore any problems that might exist. If, however, you have an imbalance in how your body functions, that is due to chemicals, systemic imbalances, malnutrition, poor diet, stress, anything that has to do with the physiology of how the cells in the body function, these aren't typically the doctors to go to. And that's where candida falls, because it falls into all these functional imbalances that take place in the body when you have fungal candida. Um, Doctors have forgotten their training. They were trained in physiology and function. But once you graduate from medical school, you're really more into protocols. So those are drug protocols. How are you going to manage this case or this case? You're just managing cases. The understanding of the body has been replaced with drug protocols. Uh, to most medical doctors, it's no longer important to understand how the body functions, only to give out medications. So if you're happy and you go away and everyone gets to keep living a life of illusion, then that's the way it is. If there's no tumor, no limbs hanging off, then there's nothing that they have been really trained to recognize. They really deal with overt symptoms of disease or advanced disease. And if you're like the majority of people, you're not going to fall into that classification. So the ones who really need to see a medical doctor or a DO might be someone who has a very advanced case and they're not really looking to address lifestyle and diet and nutrition. So medical doctors, that's the place to go to. Um, anything that they haven't been trained in, which is a very large, large area um, that they can't help you with, and if they can't recognize it, they will assume many times that you're faking it to get attention to get drugs from them, or just to have somebody to talk to. They will often tell you that there is no such thing as candida, and if you happen to get a doctor that is trained to recognize it, as uh, with doctors who deal with cancer patients, AIDS patients, severely immunosuppressed people, such as people who are taking immunosuppressed drugs for uh, organ transplants, they will tell you that only those people get candida, that the average person on the street 
doesn't get kidney, only someone who has serious immunosuppression, which is why you would have AIDS or why you'd have cancer. Um, forget the fact that over 67 years of documented research says just the opposite. And all of this is cataloged in the National Institutes of Health's Library of Medicine. So candida is a very real thing. 57,000 studies over 67 years cataloged in the National Institutes of Health Library of Medicine. The Library of Medicine and medical doctors don't know any of it. Uh, well, to be, I guess to be fair, we could say that um, there's a lot that all doctors don't know because there's just too much information to know. But to accuse your patients of being emotionally and mentally defective simply because you do not know something is not a sign of professionalism or being very compassionate. Blaming your patients when you don't know is a sign of a very fragile ego. And most medical doctors have a very fragile ego. Um, but unfortunately, this is what many candida people run into. They have candida, they have these issues, they go to the doctors, the doctors can't find anything. They just tell the patients all in their head. And doctors that state that a problem is all in their head can cause a person a considerable amount of damage and that often goes back to this sort of current Alice in Wonderland or Alice in Medical Land state of affairs that we find ourselves in with modern medicine. Patients go to doctors only to be told that there's nothing physically wrong with them. Otherwise, the doctor would have found it because they are trained to know everything in their mind. <clears throat> Therefore, the patient must be mental and have emotional issues without any proof of that either. And that's because modern medicine, as it's being practiced today, is not evidence-based, it's opinion-based. It's the doctor's opinion that carries weight, not the truth, not the facts, not evidence. When a medical doctor is faced with his own lack of knowledge, which in truth happens throughout the day, each and every day, multiple times a day, he will usually deny the possibility of anything he doesn't know, under the mistaken belief that if it was something important, he would know. He would have been trained in it. The people who were given charge of training him in everything about medicine, would have taught him this, which of course is just impossible. You can't learn everything. There's just too much to know. If your case points out how much he doesn't know, it usually makes the doctor very insecure and uncomfortable, and they do not like that. It's easier for them to blame the patient than to admit that they don't have the answers. But MDs find out very early on in their medical training that the training itself is not adequate to treat most people, and they find out on a daily basis in their practice. Um, one medical doctor who's written a lot about this, uh, Dr. Frank Lippman, MD, uh, has stated uh, about his experience after getting out of uh, medical school, said, uh, I joined a general practice in the suburbs of Johannesburg. It was a completely different experience. I was now working with middle-class white people in an urban setting. Patients came in complaining of headaches, joint pains, indigestion, fatigue, and all sorts of common everyday problems that were entirely different than what I had experienced in the previous two and a half years of a hospital practice. Known as the worried well, and this is something to really pay attention to because doctors, again, dismiss patients they name, they classify patients. So here he's speaking of this language 
the worried well was what they sort of lumped all these people into because they had no answer for them. So they just dismissed the patient as being a worrier. So again, he's writing here. Known as the worried well, they, perhaps like you, had reasons enough to determine that they weren't optimally healthy yet. They were not critically ill. So they're then that. So here's that um, gray zone of you're not in optimal health and you're not critically ill. Critically ill is what medical doctors deal with. And between optimal health and there is a huge gap. Um, so he goes on to write, I was shocked that my training was not very helpful for at least three quarters of them. From the initial high of being a doctor who successfully treated his patients, I became frustrated, often feeling helpless and useless. After working at the private practice for several months, I realized that I needed to expand on my conventional Western medical training. I couldn't accept for the rest of my medical career that I would only help 25% of the people who are going to come to me. So here you have the words of a medical doctor, highly trained, and he states that he was not, he was useless to at least 75% of them, at least three quarters, 75%. So here he is, he graduates from medical school, interns at a hospital for two and a half years, giving him even more training and experience in the medical field. And he goes into private practice and deals with the everyday patient and discovers that he couldn't help at least 75% of the people who come to him. So this is actually very typical. After years and years of medical training, he can't help 75% of his patients. Wow. I mean, what kind of training is that? That's the kind of training you currently get in medical school. And that's what's been going on for decades. Maybe 100 years or more. And I don't think that this is somebody, uh, sorry, I don't think that this is something that people realize that most medical doctors can't treat at least 75% of the people they see. And I think in many instances, that number is higher. And I can tell you over the past 31 years of my practice, I've heard thousands of stories. And, you know, it's alternative health and alternative health care is here to stay because the medical profession can't treat at least 75%. And they have no answer for these people yet alternative healthcare practitioners do. And when you have candida, what you have is condition that you should seek out an alternative healthcare provider to help you with, not a medical doctor, not a DO, doctor of osteopathy many times. Um, you have to realize this. Whenever you are going to start talking to an MD about the body and functions, the physiology of the cells, something they were trained in but they no longer utilize in their practice, you're venturing into uncharted territory for them, which makes them feel very insecure. Another way to look at it is this way. An MD is not trained in nutrition, so he can't comment on anything that involves nutrition. That's a lot. An MD isn't trained about diet, so he can't comment on anything that involves diet or dietary modification, and that's huge. An MD isn't trained about lifestyles and how that impacts health, so he can't comment 
on anyone needing to make a lifestyle change beyond the same information that everybody else knows. You know, eat right, get plenty of sleep, exercise, etc. If an MD isn't trained in nutrition, diet, lifestyle, how can he help anyone get healthy? Because getting healthy involves all of these elements. I mean, an MD isn't even trained in the 394 average side effects that are associated with all drugs and the effects that these drugs create in the human body, yet they hand out these drugs to everyone without this knowledge. So, for those people who have candida, think they have candida and want to go to um, an MD, and in my opinion, it's not the place to go. And when you look at it and you look at the experiences of others who have gone, it's not the place to go. Now, granted, if you're like most people, if you're feeling sick and you don't know what's making you feel sick, you might naturally think that going to an MD will help to reveal the cause and that they can help them make help you make the best choice as how to address it. But nine times out of ten, or seven, or eight, or Dr. Lippmann's seven and a half out of ten, they aren't going to be able to tell you what's wrong or what to do. The very way that they have been trained and practiced excludes most possibilities, and it definitely excludes the best treatment options. They, as a whole, will either give you pills with antibiotics being one of their favorites, despite all the side effects that it creates, or they'll start sending you to one specialist after another. But the way that all of these guys practice medicine still will exclude at least 75% of the problems. And when you go to a specialist, you're getting further away. So you're now excluding 85%, 95% of the problems because a specialist focuses on a very, very narrow area. So what are your chances of success? If you go to a general practitioner and he doesn't know and he starts sending you off to specialists, it's more likely that they won't know either. As each specialist tells you that they can't find anything, and this happens all the time, then the doctors start building an opinion that you're just a nutcase. And sooner or later, they're going to tell you so. And this will crush you, demoralize you, make you doubt yourself. It may make your friends and family doubt you and think that you have some type of mental problem. It's a, it's a nightmare. And it's waiting for you at the end of the medical gauntlet that so many people are shoved through on a daily basis. So if you have candida, or you think you have candida, you're probably better off not going to an MD for this. But if you do, you should have a list of your symptoms written down. Write them all down. It helps. It helps every doctor. It helps anytime you go to a doctor. Having a list of your symptoms written down is very helpful. And it also gives you a chance to really think about it instead of showing up at a doctor's office and then trying to recall and remember everything. So writing it down, write them all down ahead of time. Get a blood test. Get a stool test before you go. Chances are they won't be familiar with it, but they have a harder time dismissing a test result so easily. If anything, it shows them that a lab recognizes this, so maybe they should consider it as well. At this point, you're probably educating your physician about what candida is, and they aren't going to be too excited about a patient knowing more than they do. Inwardly, uh, they'll dismiss your education as being Google-based,
others is university-based, they will feel uncomfortable and want to get you out of their office quickly. They may refer you to a gastroenterologist as they supposedly would know more about candida. You may also get referred to an immunologist or an infectious disease specialist. And chances are they may not find anything and will want to run their own tests. You know, if, if the general practitioner knows 25% or less, then as you get into all these specialties, these people know less and less. So, um, you know, only if it happens that they discover something within their specialty, but the majority of what is out there is still going to exclude their specialty. If nobody finds anything, you're going to be uh, diagnosed as needing some type of mental-emotional care, which means drugs, which are one of the most dangerous class of drugs on the market, anything for depression or anxiety. Don't let them give you these drugs and don't buy into this diagnosis. Uh, it can be a hard time when you've been dealing with conditions and symptoms for months and years and you're finally questioning your own sanity and you're thinking, well, I have to take this. I, have, I need this. Uh, maybe they're right. Maybe I should try this. And if everything goes away, then they were right. So, you know, what do I have to lose? That gets me back to the life I want. But, uh, you know, that's just, you have to understand that there was no evidence that stated that you needed this in the first place. It's just a default diagnosis, a, a default reflex. They, they often, if they don't know, they say it's a mental, emotional problem. If you get lucky, you'll be prescribed Diflucan or Nystatin, which have inherent risk, toxicity, and tend to create antifungal resistant strains. Um, also, as was recently discovered, once you kill candida with drugs, the candida secretes a sugar substance on the outer wall that kills your white blood cells when they come along to clean up the dead candida. So drugs aren't the way to go. Drugs don't really have a good solution for the problem. Stick to the natural methods, like the undecinoic acid, boosting the immune system, supplementing with probiotics at the right time. Um, all of this is important. But, uh, you know, you're, you're actually one of the lucky ones if you end up with a medical doctor who will give you an antifungal medication. Um, stay away from amphotericin B, very toxic to the body. It's usually only used as a last resort, toxic to the kidneys, toxic to the liver. And, you know, for that matter, Diflucan, any of the azole drugs, A-Z-O-L-E. If you can stay away from the drugs, that's best. Um, use a good natural substance like what we recommend, the undecinoic acid. Boost the immune, the correct immune response. Um, take the probiotics at the appropriate time. Uh, we don't do that until week seven of our dietary plan. So, I mean, there, there are good ways to go, but uh, again, if, if you're going to a medical doctor and you do get some type of antifungal drug, that's more of a rarity, and that's better than nothing. That's better than being uh, diagnosed as having some type of mental disorder, uh, which is so very common. Whatever you do, don't buy into it. Um, it's Again, it's just when a doctor doesn't know, that tends to be to, uh, the go-to diagnosis that many of them use. And there's no need for you to buy into it, no matter how hopeless it might feel. Um, you can have a, a real cause that they just can't find. Uh, a, good, a good analogy for this is chronic fatigue syndrome and the more advanced form called myalgic encephalomyelitis. 
is a similar to Candida in that it's a very complex diagnostic picture. Uh, produces a lot of symptoms. They may seem very unrelated many times. Um, the intensity of symptoms may vary from person to person. But this for years was one of these sort of mystery conditions that most medical doctors would dismiss. And you can even still see it if you go to the internet and look at the causes of this and you'll see how this has repeatedly been considered to be just a mental emotional thing, which is what the medical profession does. They just dismiss what they don't understand. And for decades, uh, you know, for the past two or three decades, they've just been dismissing these people and telling them it's all mental. There's, there's no real physical cause for this. Um, you just have a mental emotional issue. You need to see a psychiatrist and get some drugs or a psychologist. Um, but lo and behold, this year, uh, this was actually made an official diagnosis. And now the chronic fatigue syndrome and the myalgic encephalomyelitis have been grouped together under the name Systemic Exertion Intolerance Disease. So, like Candida, complex picture. Medical doctors don't address anything that's complex. It's too complex for them to understand, so they dismiss it, dismiss you. And, and now this is an official disorder. So that means probably there are going to be some official drugs coming down the pipeline at some point. But um, it's an official disorder, very complex. And if you compare chronic fatigue syndrome and myalgic encephalomyelitis with candida, uh, ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis, if you go to PubMed, the National Institutes of Health Library of Medicine, you're going to find about 7,500, 7,500, a little less than that, studies on ME. If you check under chronic fatigue syndrome, you're going to find about 6,500 studies. So between the two of these, they have 14,000 studies in the National Institute of Health Library of Medicine. But again, Candida has 57,000 studies. And it presents as this very complex diagnostic picture that doctors are not versed in, they're not trained in. And anything that's very complex, they dismiss. And they send you off to specialists trying to figure out, well, see if anybody can figure this out because most general practitioners can't. Most medical doctors, when you walk into their office, they can't. So, um, I mean, there's hope. If there are 57,000 studies on Candida and there are only 14,000 on ME and CFS combined, then, you know, there's, there, to me, that gives a lot more validity to the diagnosis of Candida. Um, it doesn't discount the other diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome. And, but we've seen people with chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalomyelitis, be helped with the Candida protocol. Um, so there, there is some crossover. They do share some of the same symptoms. But now medical doctors are somewhere down the road going to be start being trained in this. It takes, again, it takes about 20 to 25 years for current research to appear in a textbook that a student will study when going through medical school. So what is known today won't become known in the medical field in large for another 20 to 25 years. And then how long does it take to get root within that profession where it's addressed properly? So there's still gonna be a, a huge gap for decades to come. Um, but when you have candida and you go to medical doctors, it's, you know, it's, it's like playing Russian roulette. Do you really know what the outcome is? I mean, I can guess it most of the time. I'm going to say uh, 
70% of the time, they're not going to know. They're going to dismiss you. Um, you may wind up on the roller coaster ride of one specialist after another. Um, you may get uh, 20, 10, 15% of the doctors, um, maybe more than that, maybe 30, 30, 29. They're, they'll give you an antifungal drug, which has all its complications. So, by and large, it's not the profession to go to, and you really want to look for an alternative healthcare practitioner. Um, I think uh, this week the, uh, the case study that I want to look at was a woman who came to me, because this fits right in. She had, um, a lot of, she's had a lot of multiple problems over the past several years, uh, hormonal imbalances, um, uh, you know, sleep irregularity, uh, gastrointestinal upset, indigestion. She had um, blood sugar imbalances, uh, uh, some chronic fatigue, definitely a lot of fatigue, um, confusion. Um, she said she had difficulty thinking at times. Um, she felt sometimes she had heart palpitations and um, urinary tract infection. Um, so she had a lot. She had a lot on her plate. And she had been dealing with this for uh, a few years. Um, gone through a lot of money, gone to a lot of specialists, was even currently uh, the medical doctor she was seeing was still shuttling her off to all kinds of specialists. And she was feeling very lost. And, um, you know, she said it was her, her health, not only was her health affected, her relationship with her children, her relationship with her husband. Um, nobody could figure out what this was. And, of course, when you get into this, everybody's like, oh, you know, if a doctor can't find it, then it's got to be some type of a possible mental-emotional problem. I mean, it's, uh, it's rare that you find a spouse who would actually understand um, how much medical doctors don't know and say, you know, hey, we got to keep looking. This is real. And we'll just have to find the right person who has the solution. But, you know, everybody starts to give up and, you know, throw the towel in. And this definitely was uh, the case with her. So uh, it was a bumpy road for her at first. Um, she had a lot of imbalances in the body and I think a lot of past toxicity. And again, candida doesn't exist by itself. It exists along with other imbalances. The immune system has to be affected, the bacterial flora is off, the ratios of bacteria are off, uh, can affect your blood sugar which then causes other kinds of problems like hormonal and neurological problems, affects the adrenals. So everything is connected in the body and this can snowball pretty quickly. And maybe it snowballs very slowly but it's just that it becomes this very complex diagnostic picture. And this was the case with her. Um, she had to gradually work her way into the diet. There were a few false starts, a couple starts and stops, and um, the type of detoxification that her body was going through. Uh, this, uh, our Candida diet plan is a detoxification program also, so sometimes that adds a little bit more complex complexity because you're also now dealing with past toxins that are stored in the body. So, I mean, it took a while with her. I think it actually took, um, with the uh, starts and stops, uh, a couple of months before she was actually able to go into the dietary plan and do it full out. And that had a tremendous impact on her health, which then impacted her mentally. And she felt mentally clearer and emotionally more balanced. And it improved her relationship. And she was better able to take care of her children. 
So, you know, it's just everything is connected in the body. The mind is not separate from the emotions and neither one is separate from the body. Each one will impact the other. They will have an effect on the other. And, you know, it took longer with her. And again, everybody has their own degree of complexity. And the more toxic you are, that may be something that adds a little bit more complexity to your healing process. But uh, reestablishing the normal bacterial flora was the pr place to start with her. It improved detoxification, absorption of nutrients. If you're not getting the right nutrients, you're really going into some state of malnutrition. And it may be something that's currently being referred to as hidden hunger, that the cells are hungry for nutrients they're not getting, but you don't have an overt outwardly symptomatic problem. It's just something that's building in the background. In many of these conditions, they take years to build. So just because you don't have an overt symptom, but you have a lot of symptoms, doesn't mean you don't have a problem. It's just these, everything is in process. So uh, her process, uh, sometimes the reverse process can take a little time too. But uh, for the most part, people have built up toxicity within their body for decades and a lifetime, and it can be handled um, rather quickly. So restoring, reestablishing the good bacterial flora, boosting the correct immune response, correcting the fungal candida back to its yeast form. You can see a lot of miracles take place, but really these miracles are just straightforward application of sound principles addressing imbalances that exist, and all that is accomplished through an understanding of what's taking place. And many times that understanding is lacking in the medical profession. So you'll have to excuse me if it feels like I've just been bagging on the medical profession all throughout this podcast, but um, healthcare is a very complex field. The human body is so complex, we still haven't discovered probably most of what's taking place and how it takes place and how it functions. So if you're at the top of the healthcare field, if you're the person, the people, the professionals that most people go to, you should at least be willing to acknowledge that you don't know everything and even more so be willing to direct them to people who do instead of through bias think only that your profession only your field within the whole healthcare profession is the one that has all the answers. And that's not happening, and people are being misdiagnosed. And actually, misdiagnosis, or a missed diagnosis, is the number one cause of um, lawsuits against medical doctors. So malpractice, the number one malpractice uh, cause is misdiagnosis. So it shows you that this profession misses a lot. But there's a lot to miss. And I, I think just as many other professions are encouraged to refer out to the appropriate provider, medical doctors should do likewise. Refer out to holistic practitioners, healthcare practitioners who know more about diet, who know more about nutrition. Um, put the patient to where they can, the place they can get the most assistance, the greatest amount of help. Don't dismiss them. Don't diagnose them as having an emotional mental imbalance. Um, and unfortunately, that happens too often in candida. Um, it's still going to be happening in chronic fatigue syndrome and myotic encephalomyelitis, even though it now has a, an official diagnos diagnosis uh, or diagnostic term. Um, but uh, candida still got a little road ahead of it, and uh, that's where you're at. So if you've got candida, you want to go to a doctor, go to a holistic doctor. Um, I wouldn't go to a medical doctor. You're lucky if you find one that knows about it. 
but most often you're going to get drugs, which then creates and brings in another set of imbalances. Uh, so that's it for today's show. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, you can catch us in our next podcast, and um, you can catch us uh, if you'd like to read more of what I've written about. Um, you can go to candidaplan.com. The, our dietary plan is outlined there, the supplements. And uh, we have over 180 blog posts on Candida with the science behind Candida. You can go to Dr. McCombs Candida Plan, our, our private group on Facebook. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter and uh, here on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, again, thank you for joining in. I uh, hope at least some of this information was useful. It's really directed to a lot of people who unfortunately end up in this place of um, being misdiagnosed when it comes to candida. And, uh, you know, for you, I want you to know that you can have a physical problem. It's not a mental, emotional issue. Although physical problems may actually create some emotional, mental imbalances, it's not that you have a sickness or mental disease, anything like that. So, you know, this podcast was for you. It's hopefully it's, it's encouragement for you to keep persisting, to keep pushing forward, to finding the answer and uh, not giving up because there is an answer. There's always an answer. So once again, thank you for joining in and I wish you health, wealth, and happiness.